I recently came across some data that it's a little bit old, but it still makes the point that I, where I want to go with this. This is from a few years back, but it was, it was data that had been gathered about how, some of our gift giving. And this, the uh, data said that in this particular year, a number of years back, that about uh, 39 point something percent of people that year were going to give a gift card to a major store, like a department kind of a store or a, you know, like an Amazon or something. And then about 33% of people were going to give a gift card that year for a restaurant. These things were going out there. But it's fascinating to know what happens from there because this uh, article also went on to mention that over a five-year period that they'd looked at, it was estimated that something like $41 billion of gift cards were just being left on the cards stuck in a drawer somewhere. And they said that the average U.S. home um, had $300, like the average home, had $300 just sitting on cards somewhere in a drawer. I want to ask a question, though, today. Like, if we take that kind of notion into the spiritual world, I wonder if we have spiritual gift cards that we're sitting on, that are sitting in a drawer. That's what I want to talk about um, today. We're doing this as part of a, a sermon series where we're entitled it Gifted. And we're looking at this question of how God has gifted you and how those gifts might be used in the purposes of the church. And last week we began, we started talking about this. We started it last week, but we were talking about there are a number of ways you might look at what, how the church is, what it does, what its purposes are. And one of these classic ones that's, uh, of the last number of years came from Rick Warren in the Purpose Driven Church. But he, he talks about how if you read the New Testament, five times in a row, just asking, what's the church do? What's the church do? What's the church do? He says, you'd come out with five things that the church does. And we talked about these last week, but the idea that it, it's worship, that it's fellowship or koinonia that we talked about last week, discipleship, ministry, and evangelism. But those are, those are the five different ones. And we're kind of looking at those as, as we also talk about our gifts and how they all connect and relate and where the different pieces of these things fall. Um, but today, I really want to look at um, this. I, I want more than anything to invite you to consider what it means that you have a gift and then to think about how we use it. That's, that, that is where we're going today and what I would like to do with this. And you, you start to look at this for a minute and look at the, the New Testament and you start to read it, actually the whole Bible, asking what does God do? How do we understand the Holy Spirit relating to us and and bringing life to us. And I think you see lots of different things. You see the Holy Spirit helping us to worship, helping us to serve, and at times even giving us sort of um, fantastic experiences of God. That's how, how I want to say that. And we see all those different kinds of things. And before Pentecost, this was maybe a little bit different. But after Pentecost, the Holy Spirit's given to all and all believers. And we, we have this experience of God's power and God's love and God's mercy and God's grace in a way that we can share through his spirit. Before that, you would see that it was more particular people, particular times, particular places, those kinds of things. But now it's, it's all of us. And the Holy Spirit's role in all this and in, in giving these gifts and working with us is ultimately to help mold us more and more into the kind of people that God wants us to be. The Holy, the Holy Spirit is the one who's going to bring about the fruit of the Spirit within us, of this love and joy and patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. And a part of this whole journey 
an extension of all that is that we're all given gifts. We're all given at least one spiritual gift. And we start to think, okay, what's that mean? I haven't heard too many people talk about that, in the, at least in the Episcopal Church. What does that mean? Like we start to look at that. I'll give you like one, one definition or one way that people talk about um, spiritual gifts. It's been defined as spiritual gifts or special attributes or gifts bestowed by the Holy Spirit to each member of the body of Christ, the Christian community, according to God's grace for use within the context of the body. And there's a whole lot there that I'm going to hopefully try to unpack just a bit as we go along. But part of that is, um, and if, if you walk away with maybe nothing else today, I'd love it if you'd walk away knowing that you have a gift. It may just be on a card sitting in a drawer, but I would love for you to take it out and find it. And we're going to figure out what that means. But there are lots of places in scripture that will tell us this. St. Paul tends to be the one in the New Testament that writes the most about spiritual gifts. And I want to read just a few passages from, from St. Paul as you think about this. One of these, he's, he's talking about a very different kind of gift that I'm not going to, I'm not going there. But St. Paul's talking about celibacy for a minute. And he, and he goes on to say in that section by saying this, I wish that all were as I myself am, but each has his own spiritual gift from God, one of a kind and one of another. And a little bit later, St. Paul says this. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of working. But it is the same God who inspires them all and everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the spirit for the common good. And let me do just one more. He goes on to say, and all these are inspired by the one and the same spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. And you get this idea that Paul wants you to know you have a gift. And it's not just Paul. I mean, Peter says as much as later on as well. He says, this is St. Peter, as each has received a gift, employ it for one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. I may be overplaying this, but we all have a gift. We all have a gift. And I'm convinced that many of us, myself included, have had long periods of our spiritual lives where we've left that as a gift card in a drawer somewhere. And I wonder how much, what, how, what level does that matter for us as individuals and, and for us as a church? If we don't recognize this, the gift that we have, what does it mean? And there, I think there are many layers to that. I'm going to talk some more about that. But one of the things I think is interesting too is just to talk about how we understand some of the spiritual heroes that we've looked up to. Because maybe we didn't understand their gifts. Peter Wagner, um, who's one of the professors at Fuller, wrote a lot about this. But one of the things that's always intrigued me that he said is he said he used to get, he got to a period of time where he didn't want to read spiritual biographies because he, he had this feeling for a while that if you were a good Christian doing all the stuff you were supposed to do, you ought to be able to do the kind of things these people were doing. And he said he had a big inflection point when he realized that many of these people that you're reading about, they had a particular gift he didn't have. They had a spiritual gift they were developing and using that made them be able to do this. And instead of saying, oh, I wish I, I had that, he took it as, oh, that's their gift and they're using it. And then what's my gift and how am I going to use it as that, as that turning point? And I think also as we think about it, we ought to pause for a minute just to think about how it is a gift. And by that, it means you don't earn it. It's just something given to you. And so there's no reason to get puffed up if you start to figure out what it is and you start to use it in some kind of great way because it's, a, it's just a gift. You didn't earn it and it's from God. So there are whole lots of ways to us to begin to think about 
what that gift is and, and how we do that and wh where it goes from there. And I think that it behooves us to spend time thinking about what that gift is like. You have a gift and what are we going to do with it and how are we going to use it? I think we want to turn um, at this point and begin to ask, use it for what? Why do we have these gifts? What do we do with them? Like, how do we understand what they are? And I think this is one of those places where ignorance is not bliss. We want to know what this is about. And the big part of this is to know that um, these gifts are given ultimately for God's purposes. We're reminded how often in Scripture um, it'll talk about the body, the believers being a body. And each of us has a body part, so to speak. You know, each of us, we're all coming together in this unified thing to do something. That's what these gifts are for. The, the gifts are given to you that you can use them in the context of what God is leading the whole body to use, the whole church to do. They're not meant for you to just glory in yourself some way or something else, but to use them for God's glory. I think about this when I've confessed before that I was just a little spoiled growing up. But when I was in high school, uh, my parents gave me a truck and my twin brother a truck. We both had trucks, but it wasn't just so we could go cruise our little town we grew up in. It was A, so we could get to school and they didn't have to mess with that. But it was also because we had a ranch and we, were, we both worked on the ranch. And that was implicit. It wasn't just for joyriding. It had a purpose. And I think every gift that we get, when you, if you haven't done this before, but you start to realize what your gifts are, they're not just to make you feel good. I'll say more about that in a bit because they will used for God's glory. But it's ultimately for his purposes and for his kingdom. And it shouldn't surprise us that this is the way God works. You look at Jesus during his earthly ministry, how he has this moment in time, you may remember, where he sends out the 70 to go do ministry. And of course, that is this symbolic number that's significant. It's the number, when you remember how Moses got to this place where he's overworked and his father-in-law Jethro says, you need more people to help, he brought together 70. Sanhedrin is about 70. That um, the scholars say at this time of the world, they actually thought there were 70 nations in the world. Like it's a, it's a very symbolic number that's saying God's inviting people in to fully into what he's doing and sending them out. And that's what these gifts are about, about going into that place. So why does God give us these gifts? Ultimately for his purposes and for the building up of the kingdom of sharing God's love and mercy and grace and hope in the world in all kinds of ways. And um, why is it important that we learn what these gifts are so we can lean into that? But also when we learn what your gift is, you can develop it and you can work on it and you can, you can know to, that that's what you have and you can continue to lean into that. I know for many years, I didn't know what my gifts were. I didn't spend any time on this. God still used them in ways, eventually looking back, I could see. But how much better when I began to understand, oh, this is, this is what God's giving how do I lean into that and, and use that? And how do I develop that? And how do I mature in that? And all these different kinds of ways that we, that we can go with it. It helps us when we know it because we can develop it more. And I think that, um, so it behooves us to lean into that part of it. Um, I also think that um, once we de develop it, we can begin to find other ways to help other people. Some people have said that when you know what your spiritual gift is, that it's, part, it's really part of your spiritual job description. If you learn that foreign mission work is your thing 
and that God's blessed you in certain ways with how you go and be a mission in that way. You bless, you bless all of us. You bless the whole community when you lean into that. Or when you learn that you're a teacher or when you learn all these different things. We'll talk more about these, but it becomes part of your, your job description. And I think one of the great things about this is when you lean into it, you're able to do so much more for God's kingdom. You're able to help build up his community. But ultimately, I really also believe when you are partnering with God the way you're meant to be, you find a sense of fulfillment and joy as you use those things for his glory. One Anglican priest um, wrote this. He says, my deepest joy comes in using the gifts of God that God has given me to do the divine work in the world. When I do this, I have a sense of doing what I was created to do, being who I was created to be. Or we think about how Jesus, towards the end of his uh, earthly ministry, he said, these things I speak in the world that they may have my, my joy fulfilled in themselves. And we find all this in I always think about how C.S. Lewis said, you know, we are made to run on God, basically. And the more we lean into that, the more we find what really works. We find deep purpose, deep meaning, deep satisfaction as we live out that kind of ministry with what we do. Each of us has received a gift. And what are we going to do with it? I want to um, do one final thing with the sermon today and sort of connect. You have a gift. I also want to go back and connect it to the formation piece for a minute. We talk about formation. Um, we're talking about a lifelong process where we are growing as disciples in Christ. And that's a huge part about what we do. Jesus gave us the command to go make disciples. And the church is all about helping us to grow as disciples, to continue to mature. And we have a whole department here in the church um, that is devoted to that with Dr. Tim Smith, who helps with that. But all of us have this call that's lifelong and we offer opportunities for you to continue to grow. And I think the further you grow in your maturity in Christ, as you, the further you grow in what it means to be a disciple, the more we'll be in a place to recognize and, and receive that we have a gift. And I'm in the group of people along with theologians that think you actually have more than one. But scripture makes it clear you have at least one. And I think when you know what that is, again, it starts to, it allows you to use it. And we can use it for God's glory. And I think when we start talking about formation, there are a number of these gifts. I haven't chronicled all these gifts. We'll do that later. But there are a number of these gifts that relate to formation. And I want to, I want to get you to think about these for a minute. Paul in Ephesians 4.11 talks about how some are called as evangelists and pastors and teachers. In 1 Corinthians, he talks about gifts of teaching, administration, form of assistance, forms of leadership. All these different ways that, um, that I think ultimately relate to formation. I think about how many people I've talked to along the way when you start to ask them, who has been the person most significant in your life in helping you to grow as a Christian? And I, I'm convinced people don't know it, but so oftentimes it'll be the VBS teacher. It'll be the Sunday school teacher. It'll be the this or that. And it's people who were using their gifts they are getting their own reward as they do it, but they're blessing people. And that's the way it works. I will tell you this, that I worked in a church for a year where they were really big on getting everybody to figure out their gifts and praying for gifts and receiving gifts and developing gifts. And I've never been in a place that was more vibrant. And I think it's also interesting when you think about Paul writing about all these gifts, go back and read 1 Corinthians 12 and all that. 
Scholars say that the church in, in Corinth was probably about 40 people. So when you read all those gifts, those are all being distributed in a group of 40. We're gathered with a group of 100-something. All those gifts are here. And yet many of us don't know we have it. They're gift cards sitting in a drawer. And how blessed all of us would be in this room to be in a community where everybody finds their gift and develops it and uses it. And I wonder if we're brave enough to lean into that and to do that. When we do, we find so much, so many good things. I think there are all kinds of ways we experience that gift. I want to read one, one quote and then I'll close this with a prayer. But um, I was thinking about this. I, re I recently came across um, the story of how um, Tolkien wrote, J.R.R. Tolkien, the great um, writer, wrote The Hobbit and Lord of the Rings and all that. And he attributes it very directly to his gifts from God. And I think he's, I almost didn't read this because it sounds like his is a little more where the spirit overtook him. I think gifts, most of us experience gifts in a much more mundane way where we have to know what they are and develop them and work on them. But this is how he said it. I think it's fascinating to read. He says um, this about how he started this whole journey. He says, I was doing the dull work of correcting exam papers when I came upon a blank paper someone had turned in, a boon to all exam makers. I turned it over and I wrote on the back, in a hole in the ground there lived a hobbit. That sentence would become the first line for the hobbit. I had never heard of a hobbit or used the word before. Later on, he would say this, I have long ceased to invent uh, my stories. I wait till I seem to know what, were, what really happened or until it writes itself. And in a personal letter, he describes his writing process this way. He says, the other power, as in God, then took over. The writer of the story, by which I do not mean myself, that one ever-present person who is never absent. I don't know that we'll ever have an experience of God like that, but I do know this. We all have a gift, at least one, one spiritual gift. Is it sitting in a drawer or not? Can you pull it out of the drawer and begin to ask, what is this thing and where do I use it? And how do I use it? And help me use it. Because we all have that gift card. And when we do it, we find fulfillment. When we do it, the community's blessed. When we do it, the world is blessed in so many ways. Let's pray. Gracious Lord, we thank you that you love us and you call us to partner with you in your ongoing work of creation. You call us to partner in sharing love, mercy, hope, and grace. You call us to be a voice in hard times and a companion in joy to so many. You've given us each gifts. Lord, help us to discern what those are and to offer them to you to be used for your glory and the welfare of your people. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.